Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming & Curdy PLC. And the other partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, is sitting across from me. We are going to talk about elder law issues because this podcast is called Elder Law Issues. Kind of clever the way we named it, I thought. Don't you agree, Elizabeth? Yes, but let's make sure that everybody is reminded that I am not elderly. <laughs> Well, neither am I. At 71, <laughs> I'm I'm 71 years young. Age is just a number, right? It's, yeah, I think in my that's case, right. a really big number. How old is Rosalind, your dog, in uh, people years? Rosalind, in people years? Oh, she's a teenager, basically. She's not quite three, two and a half. And she's sitting at your feet because she knows that I will glower at her if she makes any noise. So we might hear from her in the course of this. But she's pretty transfixed by the subject of charitable gifts, and I think that she probably will be, no pun intended, all ears. She's a corgi, so that, that's kind of an in-joke. <laughs> and she is, in fact, kind of all ears. So, Elizabeth, today I thought maybe we could talk about a thing that you and I are both seeing a lot more of in recent years, and that is something called a donor-advised fund. By way of background, when I first started practicing, if you wanted to give money to unspecified charities, you just wanted to set aside a, a lump of money for charitable purposes and to determine later who would receive it, uh, pretty much your only choice was to set up a foundation, which was difficult to manage, expensive to set up. Um, a lot of the uh, of the of the money that you put into the the foundation might be consumed in administrative costs kind of frustrating for people. And really the only kind of people who could set up foundations were quite wealthy people. Enter the more recent idea of donor advised funds. You want to explain what a donor advised fund is? Sure, Robert. So a donor advised fund is a, I would say, more recent kind of vehicle that can be used for charitable planning. When I say recent, I think that donor advised funds have been around and we've been seeing them used more frequently in the last probably seven to eight years. And we see many more of them today than say we saw five years ago. So they seem to not only be a thing, but becoming more popular. And the idea behind a donor advised fund is that a person or a couple might decide to put money into this fund, might be during their lifetimes, might be at death, and the idea is that there are instructions on file with the fund with respect to how the money in the fund should be distributed at death. What's unique and different about a donor advised fund is that you can establish a donor advised fund at a community foundation. You could also establish a donor advised fund at Fidelity or Schwab or a financial a brokerage house of some sort. And the idea there is, is whether it's going to be managed by say a custodian like Schwab or a community foundation that once the money you give is in the fund, it is outside of your estate for tax purposes. And you get a charitable deduction. Correct. And so one interesting thing about creating a donor advised fund is if you establish a fund and you put money into that fund, however much money you put in, when you put money into the fund, it is outside of your estate. You cannot take it back. And what happens to it in the fund is it will sit there. And depending on the instructions on file, the terms of the fund, the rules, it will often be invested. And while it's in the fund, you're able to direct 
how it can be distributed to different nonprofit entities. So one thing, Robert, that I think a lot of people get confused about with donor advised funds is they say, well, I've got a lot of appreciated stock. Can I give that instead of cash? Yes. In fact, it's a great thing to do if you have appreciated securities. When you distribute the securities into the fund, they're outside of your estate, so if they're going to be sold, they'll be sold at no tax consequence to you. So all those capital gains that you might be concerned about having on your own tax return, you don't have to worry about it because as soon as you've made that charitable gift into the fund, those assets are outside of your estate. So. When we think about charitable planning, we think about the kinds of assets that are really useful to use to make gifts. Um, Stock that's appreciated quite a bit can be helpful because if it has a low basis for tax purposes and you sold it during your lifetime, most people would then see a capital gains hit, which they want to avoid. But going back to the mechanics of a donor advised fund, Robert, when I have money in the fund, I'm able to direct how it's going to be distributed to nonprofit entities. I cannot say to the fund, whoever is managing it, that I want to use $1,000 from the fund to purchase a table at the gala next weekend. That fundamentally you can't do. You really can't receive a benefit once you've already made the gift to the fund. That's kind of double dipping. So there are some rules associated with how money in a donor advised fund can be used. But the idea behind them, Robert's really pretty awesome because it's flexible. You can make decisions during your lifetime about how money in the fund should be distributed and you will have terms on file with the fund that direct where any money goes at your death. And I think for a lot of people, this is a nice way to do some charitable planning where, you know, they're able to make decisions around changing charities and making different gifts and do that during their lifetime and then also not feel like they need to update their estate plan every time they want to change a charity. So you get sort of the power of a foundation without all of the overhead. But it is important for people to understand, you say, Elizabeth, that you can direct where the money will be distributed, to which charity it will be distributed. And that's correct. But you have to remember that the custodian has the ultimate say-so. So So you're advising the custodian about what to do. That's why it's called a donor-advised fund. Now, in the real world, custodians don't want to violate the requests of the donors because they're going to stop getting donor-advised fund money pretty quickly if the word gets around that they ignore their, their donors. So your advice is pretty pretty much an instruction, but, uh, but you have to appreciate that you really have given up total control of the money when you transfer it to the donor-advised fund. One of the things I really like about the donor-advised fund, Elizabeth, and I've seen it in several cases where fairly wealthy families, not immensely wealthy families, not the people who have foundations named after their family name, but people who have accumulated some wealth and who want to make sure that their children understand the importance of of charity and and, uh, charitable giving, they can create a donor-advised fund or multiple donor-advised funds with one or several of their children as the advisors, or they can set it up so that on their death or retirement, then the children become the advisors. Pretty typically, I see the parent and maybe one child as advisors to the donor-advised fund. And that's a way to sort of teach your your children how to go about giving money. It doesn't mean they can't give their own money at some later date. It doesn't mean they can't 
directly give to charities, but it gives them an opportunity to work with with charitable experts, the people in the foundations or the, the custodians who do this all the time and learn something about how to how to read the the uh, financial prospectus of a charitable organization. And Robert, I'll, I'll make a pitch here for folks who are considering a donor advised fund to really consider keeping the money local. One benefit to establishing a donor advised fund at a local community foundation is that you're actually able to meet with somebody in person who can give you input and ideas about your charitable planning. So once in a while, I'll meet with a client who may have an affinity for something unique, whether it's a certain type of art, a certain type of um, animal, certain type of, when we think about environment, cause, something that's kind of off the beaten trail. And they might ask me, you know, do you know any organizations that could use my money that do this or that support this kind of a mission? Well, often, Robert, there are wonderful, smaller, nonprofit entities that have incredible missions that simply are kind of under the radar. And if you are working with a donor advised fund that's managed by a local organization, you're going to receive the benefit of, of having some input, ideas, connections, and an opportunity to learn about nonprofits in your own hometown um, or local community that you might not otherwise know about. And back to my idea that a, a donor-advised fund is a great way to teach your children, what better way to teach them than to plug them in with a local charitable expert like the local community foundation or some organization like that where they could get to know the, the people who are actually in their community on the ground with charitable organizations. And you're right, Elizabeth, we have a lot of small charitable organizations and they they come and go. They come more than they go, but, uh, but it's hard to predict who will be the best animal rights protection entity if that's, if that's your thing in 20 years. Well, here's a great opportunity to leave that question open. You can say, the primary focus of my donor advised fund will be animal right protection or uh, combating climate change or developing alternative food approaches or whatever your thing is and not lock in your gift for for all time with one current popular charity. And Robert, I would I would make sure that our listeners know that we support all different community foundations not only here in Tucson but throughout Arizona and the country. One thing that you and I both feel strongly about is making sure that our clients are aware of their various options. I'm currently serving on the Board of Trustees for the Jewish Philanthropies of Southern Arizona, which is the merged organization of the Jewish Community Foundation for Southern Arizona and the Jewish Federation for Southern Arizona. You and I work a lot with different foundations and particularly community foundations. So when we have people who come into us and say, you know, I'm thinking about doing a donor advised fund, where should I establish this? We always provide the names and contact information for various community foundations because every community foundation that we work with is going to have a different approach, may have very similar instructions for their donors or similar administrative practices, but it's important that our clients be able to see the diversity out there and find a place that's the right fit for them. So I think that's that's important for people to note today. So 
donor advised funds. If you don't know more about them, check into the idea. If you have, oh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, how much money do you have to have to set up a donor advised fund? Great question. It really depends on the fund and the organization managing it. So in some cases, you might be able to establish a donor advised fund with $500. Other places, the, the minimum might be 5000 10000 or more. And I think, Robert, you and I both agree that the idea behind participating in your community and making a gift, it's really about the participation, not necessarily the amount. So somebody who might be interested in establishing a donor-advised fund but concerned that they might only have $1,000 to establish the fund, we'll make sure that you have options for places that you might be able to establish a fund with that amount of money. And if you make a small contribution to a donor-advised fund, that doesn't stop you from doing it again next year or in five years or as part of your will or trust at your death, so you can increase the amount that you that you contribute over time. And remember, Robert, that the, the money in your donor advised fund, once you've made that gift to the fund, the organization that's managing it is going to invest that money. It's not gonna just sit in cash. You're not going to have control. You won't be able to direct exactly how the money is invested. But do keep in mind, Robert, that we see some people who will make an annual gift to their donor advised fund, but actually not then make a recommendation about gifting from the fund. They might make a a donation several years in a row before making a recommendation for how money in the fund could be used. The time that it's sitting there, it is growing, which is, I think, a great thing. So check into the donor advised fund for your charitable inclinations. It might not be the right fit for you, but it might open up some other alternatives. It might allow you to make a charitable gift now even though you don't know exactly who you want to give money to. It might help you teach your children. It might help you discipline yourself to make charitable contributions. There are lots of good reasons to look into it. Come and talk to us if you live in Tucson and would like to discuss your charitable inclinations. We we are happy to, to help as part of your estate plan. I'm Robert Fleming, and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman and I are the partners at the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. You've been listening to Elder Law Issues, our weekly podcast. We we just love it when you listen and when you respond and ask questions and let us know what information you wish we would talk to you about. Until then, enjoy yourself.